And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. and welcome we are live from the bunker and actually live today get that camera uh, microphone out of my face so you see my face i have a face for radio my name is jason hunt i am the editor-in-chief here at sci-fi for me glad you're all with us the chat is open i see american comic company i see dave in there good to have you with us and uh <clears throat> We've got some pretty good response off of our, uh, well, good good traffic at least, off of our discussion of yesterday, uh, looking at Capricorn 1, so uh, thank you for that. And the comments, if you are not with us live, you can leave a comment, you can send us an email address, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Tomorrow on the program, assuming that everything lines up, my kid will be back and we'll be talking about the second episode of the second season of Superman and Lois. And on Monday, we are going to be talking about the shocking, surprising news that Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard. So that'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, Richard Hogue will be with us. And uh, we'll be doing that. So, <clears throat> we also have this show available as a podcast. If you've got uh, whatever your player of choice you want to find us over there, that is that is there for you to partake of as well. Now, <laughs> I said uh, with the with the title of this program and and uh, and and promoting this. They're going to be talking to author Declan Finn about publishing his first novel, and he joins us here. And, and and Declan, you've published twenty-five novels, and now you've published your first novel. So let's let's get into a little bit of that because uh, it just came out yesterday. The book is called White Ops. Uh, this is White Ops book one, I believe, of three. Do I have that right? Three for right now. Three for right now. Okay. Well, so. Give me give me the rundown here. How is this your first book and your 26th book? It's my first book in that it's the first one I wrote. Originally, uh, like a lot of people, apparently, uh, I started with fan fiction. Uh, back then, I was 16. It was 1998. I was stupid. I knew nothing <laughs> about writing. Um, and, and I was just going to do one short story. One lousy short story. Uh, six books later, uh, I, I had rewired my brain enough that, congratulations, I was now a writer. Uh, by re rewiring my brain, I mean, in order to sleep at night, I have a notebook next to my bed, so I can write down the ideas so they would leave me alone so I could go to sleep. Um, by the time I was done with book six, uh, it's like, maybe I could get a career out of this. Uh, however, you know, by, you know, by book six, no longer looked anything like the original thing I based it off. Uh, like, okay, fine. Now I have to untie this from the original uh, show I based it off of. Hit it with a hammer, and go on from there. 
I spent about spent nearly twenty. No, I spent over twenty years uh, hitting this thing with a hammer, uh, rewriting it until it's into something like a shape I liked. Yeah. And when I ran out of things to hit, I sent it to a publisher and went, "Okay, fine. Either they're going to like it or they won't. And if they don't, they'll publish the thing and get it out there." To my surprise, two different publishers actually liked it. So I wasn't going to complain. And so the book first three books are out. Or sorry, are coming out. And the next problem is moving on with the rest of the series. Because I originally wrote these in a series of vignettes. Uh, one vignette turned into book three. <laughs> so I just... I have projected that if things go like that, I'll wind up with 13 books by the time I'm done. Oh, wow. So, we'll see exactly how that goes. But yeah. that's how my first book is now later on. And this is life. and this is a brand new story universe. This is not tied in with anything that you've written before. It's not with uh, any of the supernatural or the horror anything like that this is a science fiction book this is this is space yeah. opera for you this is something that you haven't done before but uh reading the description of how you came up with this your brain is steeped in babylon 5 and deep space 9 and star trek and all these other things you're you're talking about hitting it with a hammer and beating out various different pieces but you've also talked in your blog about the various different influences that are part of this. So what's in the... D well, before I ask you what's in the DNA, let's let's briefly go over what the actual story is about. So what is White Ops? Uh, White Ops takes place at the start of a 10-year war. It's not quite the Iliad, but, you know, a lot of that happens often. I just try to hit the high point. And we've got basically a uh, collection of space Templars and who are sitting back watching it, some are participating, and one of them is looking at the entire process going, something's wrong here. When this invasion started, the guys who are currently attacking everybody were just, you know, random jerks. If they were annoyed, but they weren't deadly. Now they're taking on the toughest races in the galaxy and going toe-to-toe -to -toe with some and wiping the floor with others. So, um, my hero, who is named Sean Patrick Bryan, is looking at this and going, there are two options I can think of, well, at least two options. Best option. Uh, the attacking race, known as the Pharmacoid, uh, have found this technology and engineered it. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, somebody gave it to you. And if somebody gave them this technology, what are the odds that they were given the really high-tech toys? Or what, is it, isn't it more likely that the Pharmacoid were given the equivalent of muskets. And if that's the case, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so while everybody is fighting the Pharmacoy, Tron is trying to prepare for the next war 
investing everything we can into emerging technologies and crossing fingers, hoping that they're at least somewhat prepared by the time whoever is lurking in the shadows decides they're going to come out and get some. All right, Degel, let me stop you there. I've got a couple of uh, comments in the mic- in the in the chat about uh, your sound. Uh, could you oh. do me a real quick favor? I know we're gonna we're gonna jump here. Could you double check and make sure which microphone you're on because it's uh, sounding a little muffled. Uh, bottom left corner of the Zoom. Want to hit me by accident? How am I signed up now? Oh, that's much better. There we are. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I should have caught Zoom that decided. before we started. So. Ah, not, well, hopefully it's not too much of a problem, but uh, Zoom decided to update right before we went live. Ah. So, of course, it reset all the settings. It'll do so. that. It'll do that. Just wait till your computer reboots to Windows 11 right in the middle of some massive project that you're working on. <laughs> this is why I hit save every few seconds. That's right. All right. So, uh, so we've got the basic gist of the story. What are the influences? What's in? You know, I asked what's in the DNA. We've talked about um, Babylon Five and and other things. So, where do, where are you pulling from on this one? Being the big giant space epic. So you've got space and you've got epic. Well, you've got a little bit of uh, you know. 1998. So Babylon 5 was on, Deep Space 9 was on, and that, a lot of that went into the original. So did Lord of the Rings. It's one of the few books I've read twice. And basically, all the rewrites, uh, I, I'd have to say, were more influenced by Bayon or Timothy Zahn or John Ringo, even some David Weber in there. Yeah. Uh, I Although, unlike <clears throat> certain uh, authors, I try to keep. I try to cap the characters at uh, you know only twenty or thirty <laughs> instead of five hundred. Uh, you know, not referring to anyone in particular, right? Right. Um, and so a lot of that went into the rewrite. Um, I, I'd say a lot of Tennessee's on, especially since reading pretty much any one of his books, all of his characters think their way through problems. Um. And there was actually a behind-the-scenes bit of business that wound up falling into the world. Um, and I'll give you a for instance, uh, okay. because this is what inspired it. Um, behind the scene, it was either a behind-the-scenes or a YouTube video, something like that. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, Straczynski was talking about um, something NASA was doing. They wanted to make a space construction vehicle. And... Uh, they said they had a problem. Straczynski owned the patent because what they came up with was basically what he used as a fighter, the Star Fury, in Babylon 5. So he said, fine, you can use it as long as you call it a Star Fury. And I just took that one idea and thought, you know, given the way copyright laws work now, You've got, uh, you know, every time uh, Steamboat Willie, Mickey Mouse is up for uh, expiration of copyright, uh, the copyright laws mysteriously extend another 10 years. Right. Um, Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, The joke is it's called the Steamboat Willie Event Horizon. (laughs) And I just figured, okay, so you take that, 
you're in it for it. So, so fighters will still be called Star Fury 300 years from now, uh, even after everybody's dead, because the copyright will still be in effect. <laughs> um, and that wound up with a lot of influence on the world building because, gee, humans have walking tanks. They're called the Heinlein model. Um, they have to explain to aliens that uh, light armored infantry, individual people in powered armor, you know, they're called Spartan 7s or 6 or something like that. It's like, what, 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 what is a Spartan? What happened to the first five or six Spartans? It's like, don't, don't ask. We don't want to explain Halo. What is a Halo? It's a long story. Just don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it got, got to a point where I had I had naval, space naval officers, you know, it's like, yes, well, I did my dissertation on uh, Heinlein and Weber with a, a, a side, a, with a minor in John Ringo uh, in terms of space tactics. So I, I had a lot of fun there. So basically everything I've ever been exposed to in my entire life wound up in this sci-fi gumbo. <laughs> now, when you're going back and revising and you're, and you're editing and you're, and you're, and you're you're hitting it with the hammer as you describe it. Did, how? Uh, what kind of? What kind of research? Because now you know you're an experienced author. You've got your process for world building and research and and all of these different things that you're doing when you're coming into these in into writing a new book. Now you're applying all of that. I would expect to the first book, and and you're kind of working backwards. It it would seem like because. Now you have a process, and you're a pro you have to apply that process almost retroactively to a book you've already done. How how much of a challenge was it? What kind of problems did you run into? Uh, actually, it was a little bit easier, um, mainly because I knew exactly where everything was going. I could plant seeds a lot better. Um, there were some. There are some early readers who are going. You know, you have this random character do some massive rewrite, do some massive effects on the plot, and yet he just disappears. What happened to that? It, it, it's, it's, it's an accident. It's like, no, no, that's book uh, four, five, and six. Sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> things like that. So partially, it made things easier. Yeah. And in some cases, um, well, the other books I've written have rewritten the uh, canonical timeline in my head for the history of the series where one thriller novel did something or at least wanted to do something in a later book. It wound up influencing the timeline 30, 40 years down the line and it wound up rewriting at least one alien culture. It's like, damn it. <laughs> so, okay. So is, is white ops, an extension of a particular story universe that you're already working in, or is this just kind of an extrapolation where you're, are you making it a shared universe with anything else I, or just have, it happens that way because of the name of the character. It kind of happens that way. Um, it, it, it can be read as, as an extension. Uh, people who have been reading everything else I've ever done will find some cute bits of business along the way. Right. Um, one of my characters from my thriller series, uh, is basically an ancestor, but you don't need to know any of this in order to enjoy the books, mainly because again, these came first, uh, 
to some degree, Sean Ryan wound up taking over large parts of my other books because there were some books that just didn't work until like, you know, okay, it's like Sean A.P. Ryan the first or something like that. <laughs> like it was the only way the story would go anywhere. Um, and even with that guy in later books, I'm writing and, you know, and he just shows up. It's like, you're not supposed to be in this book. You're not even the main character. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let's just keep going. <laughs> so, so at some point then I guess we get the book that ties every story universe you've been working in all together in one. Right. And then from there, it's just moving forward. It's all of it in in one kind of like kind of like what what Weber's done in uh, in these last couple of Honor Harrington books, where all of these threads finally start to coalesce together. And, oh yeah, it's all it's all the same big sprawling story. Well, I, I try to have everything more self contained than that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I try never to have anything that has too much overlap. Where it's you need in order to in order to understand what's going on here. You have to understand, you have to have read this book. It's like, no, I don't yeah. play those games. <laughs> I don't want to play those games. And the moment something becomes so convoluted that you need to read this book from this series to understand this book in this series, you know, just take me out and shoot me. Right. Uh, but I, does, I does, that, do that. does that present, <laughs> excuse me, does that present challenges to for you then to to try to keep them separate since now you've had a little bit of bleed over from, from, you know, with the characters and stuff, are you, are you able to easily keep everything separate? I mean, you've got Tommy over here, you've got, you know, all, all of the different story universes you have. Is it fairly easily, easy to keep them, keep them sandboxed in their own, in their own space? Pretty much, uh, much to my surprise, in part because, um, you know, you, you have the uh, vampire universe in St. Tommy, for instance. Yeah. Will you shut up? Sorry. Mm -hmm, okay. Eight bot callers. Um, I get a few of those. Yeah. But um, you have St. Tommy on one end, you have the vampires on the other, and they could theoretically be the same universe, but again... They both, yes, they both take place in New York, but New York's a fairly large place. All I have to do is keep, um, you know, Detective Thomas Nolan on the eastern end of Queens, uh, keep the vampires on the western end of Brooklyn, and never the twain shall meet, because right. good luck trying to get to each other, even by train. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now uh, you've got... The, I mean, with White Ops being set so far in the future, I imagine that would be fairly easy to do that. But oh yeah, um, but the winks and the nods, I imagine, would probably still be there. Like, ah, oh, yeah, you remember this thing? Here's this thing. Uh, some some authors have a tendency to get a little cute with that. Uh, maybe a little more than they should, but you know, it's a matter of personal taste. Now, I don't, I. I can't recall if I have asked you this before. If I have, you probably answered it, and I can't remember. How are you with Tuckerizations? Are our friends and family showing up in these in in the far flung future? Uh, usually by request. Uh, I, I don't go out of my way to kill somebody off unless they have really off, mm. uh, and I don't get too much of that nowadays. Um, 
I was going to have an entire series of murder mysteries set in the high school because, you know, I was a teenager. <laughs> I had people I wanted to knock off. Oh, sure. But uh, those bored me out of my mind, so I never really finished them. Um, Wait, so you, we're not going to get a Declan Finn YA novel? Uh, I've already written one. Uh, I'm not sure how YA it is, considering yeah. how many murders there are in it. <laughs> but uh, that is a different conversation. No, um, so, uh, you want to be technical, I actually tried writing YA once. No. Uh, it turned into my vampire series, and people told me how utterly terrified they were. Like, <laughs> Okay, I, I don't think this is going to be very good for YA. No. <laughs> so, okay, so. so the so the new book is out. White Ops is out uh, yesterday. And the yep. plan is for book two and book three to be out when? February and March. Okay, all right. And then you said you said 13 potentially. Are, are, have you already plotted all of that out and you're going to move forward with it? Or you could move forward with it? I could move forward with it. Uh, most most of the could is going to be a matter of how well it sells because I'm already working on a few other projects here and there. Um, I, I'm right now. I'm writing a completely different series while I'm waiting for White Ops to come out, and White Ops is coming out while I'm waiting for my first publisher, Silver Empire, to finish Saint Tommy. So I, I'm I'm playing a spread of bingo cards right now mm -hmm. and <laughs> I, I'm waiting to see how many of them finally get played out. How um, many, how many more St. Tommy books are there in the, in the works? Do you have uh, it, a, a finite number of, of stories you want to tell in that universe? Yes. Um, considering, considering the first line of the series, the last line of the finale of the books is inevitable, but uh, I've got, 12 books for St. Tommy, uh, potentially one epilogue novel with, you know, all of his side characters, mm. uh, if, if I decide to go there. And uh, right now, book eight is out. That's Hussar that came out, what was it, 2020? And uh, book nine should be coming out as soon as Silver Empire is done fighting Amazon. Because they've got Amazon is being a pain in the butt lately, and nobody can figure out why. Um, there have been if you want behind if you want inside baseball, we can do that, but that's the short version. <laughs> All right. Now so, um, we you mentioned John Ringo. Um, we've got David Weber in the mix. He's he's collaborated with Timothy Zahn and Eric Flint on side. I guess you could call them side quest storylines in the Honorverse. You've got, uh, th I guess, three different tracks of stories that take place in that universe. You've got the main Honor Harrington line, you've got the stuff that's happening over in the Talbot Quadrant, and then you've got the stuff happening with... Um, um, what's, it, what's the other one? Yeah, Torch. Yeah, thank you. So, any of these... Any of these uh, story universes that you have, have you have had thoughts about doing? You mentioned the epilogue with your with your Tommy characters. Have you thought about doing side quest stories with any of this? 
Like if you got your main, you've got your main through line story. Let's let's throw a little bit over here on the side and do something over here, and maybe open up with collaborators to do these other these other peripheral stories that are connected, but they're not you, they're not dependent on each other. I have been tempted, um, haven't gotten around to it yet, mainly because everybody else wants their attention, wants my attention. Sure. Um, you know, oh look. Do me, do me. It's like, all right, fine, I'll write you already. Just shut up. Um, so uh, I, I have often referred to writing as legalized schizophrenia. So there are some elements of that in there. But um, yes, I have been tempted. Haven't gotten around to it yet. Give me time. So what's next after these? After these three, you've got white ops one, two, and three. What else are you working? What, what have you got in the pipeline besides that right now? What I've got right now is actually a a follow-up series to my original vampire novels. Um, you know, the, my vampire novels were technically vampire romance. That's there that's vampires. The love there it, is, love it first bite series. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, love it first bite. Um, you know, that the entire four books was okay. We have finally gotten our main characters together. Follow-up series is, of course, now we've gotten them together, let's get them married. So uh, this one, is, of course, is called Honeymoon from Hell. <laughs> and I've outlined that to five books, no more. Hopefully, hopefully no more than that. Uh, otherwise, it'll turn into Lord of the Rings on me. Well, that's and that's when the long, the long honeymoon becomes the long Halloween. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you, you, you talked about some authors who get cute, let's just say that their first stop is in Chicago and uh, an alderman who is a necromancer is trying to kill them because, you know, <laughs> zombies voting in Chicago has never been heard of before, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of get a little bit cute there. Um, but I'm writing that and actually as I'm publishing, as I'm writing it out, I'm publishing chapters on my Patreon so people can get first crack at that um so i'm writing those five books while i'm waiting for tommy and for white ops to get fully released and after i'm done with uh honeymoon from hell i'll see if anybody wants more white ops all right so um here's what we're gonna do because i want to i want to look at some of the response to White Ops, because there are some reviews out there. Uh, and uh, so we'll look at that. Let's do this. We'll take a real quick break. When we get back, what other people are saying about White Ops uh, right after this. Don't go anywhere. Remember, no matter where you go, there you are. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. The concept of flying cars uh -huh. is... Just a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. It is a disastrous idea. People can't drive on a level, flat surface, yeah. let alone, you know, it's, trust me, this is one of those things where you want Khan to be thinking two-dimensionally. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Live from the bunker, Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV.
back live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here, along with author Declan Finn. His new book, White Ops, has just hit the shelves. Both uh, is is there a physical copy or is this just as digital? Um, paperback and hardcover should be available. I know hardcover is available now. Paperback should be as soon as Amazon stops fighting Tuscany Big Press. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the book White Ops. Let's let's talk a little bit about response because I've seen I've seen you posting links to various reviews. Uh, I know Richard Palinelli has done one. What are people saying about the book? How is it being received so far? Um, response has been good. Um, I've only seen four and five star reviews. Um, two or three from people who I don't even know how they got the book offhand, uh, which is a surprise. I'm usually, I'm fairly used to the first reviewer being, okay, I know this reader. I, I've seen him around. I know her. I've seen her around. But it's like, this time it's first day reviews. At least two people where it's like, do I know you? How did you, how did you hear? Uh, so I, I'll, I'll take them. Um, you know, the upstream reviews, uh, review of the book was positive. I'll take it. And a lot of people are going, wow, he managed to do an awful lot of stuff in this. He's got <laughs> politics and he's got action and he's got character development. I didn't know he could do all this stuff in one book. Like, thank you. <laughs> well, hey, so I'll thank, take it. I'll take, take it. it. Yeah. Uh, Robert in the chat says, White Ops, did you discuss this before? Something about vampires. No, Robert just got here. So, Robert, we're talking about a brand new book. It just dropped yesterday. Uh, although Declan has been working on this for, what did you say, 20 years? Off and on? Uh, since 98. So, yeah. yeah. Damn near 25. Uh, Jeez. Wow. Yes. Where does the time go, right? My kid turns 20 next week. I blinked, and it's just like that. Um, now th these, these books, and we've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, this, these are your kids. These are your babies. Uh, when you're going back through and you're hammering out all of the changes and all of the revisions to make it here, what, what you're wanting to publish, was there anything in there that you just, it just killed you to take it out, but you had to take it out? Very little, um, mainly because so many of the things that had to change really needed to change. Um, there's, there was one sequence in the original book, book one opening where it was going to be a running shootout throughout, you know, the underbelly of a space station and all the bad parts. And it, you know, started to feel like a, a bad diehard knockoff after a while. Even John McClane got a break after the, after killing off one or two terrorists. And I, I rewrote it because, you know, Sean Patrick Ryan, yes, he is our hero. And when I designed him originally, he was uh, described as two meters tall and one wide. And, you know, it, it, other people called him, you know, one of the most dangerous creatures in the galaxy. And my problem was, gee, he's big, he's strong, and is that it? Can't be. So I had to redesign it. So he fought, he fought smarter, not harder. And that's all I'll say about it without ruining the surprise. No. But well, I um, guess it's kind of like a, kind of like a character like Jack Reacher, who's, who's not really this 
big bruising hulk of a man, but he's not tiny. I mean, he's not small like like uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, a lot of people were talking about, you know, Tom Cruise is too short to play Jack Reacher. But yeah. I don't recall anybody discussing, you know, Reacher being this brute of a guy either. So in the books, he is described as six foot five. Yeah. Um, I think they were dyslexic when they cast Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's called dyscalculia. So, you know, so he's six five. No, no. Hold on. It's five six. Uh, we get Tom Cruise. But um, no, he's described as uh, six five in the books. But a lot of even the fights with Reacher. It's almost on par with Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, where he, he does the entire fight before the first punch is thrown. Yeah. And, you know, it's over like that. Uh, he does something similar where he will do a paragraph, uh, you know, that's a small dissertation on fighting, where it's like, nobody expects a headbutt. So, you know, just crack is the first move and goes yeah. down. <laughs> you know, things like that. And and Robert has uh, has asked if it was it was available on Amazon and it is and he says he's picked up a copy, so uh, but he also says there's a woman there's a woman on Amazon Canada who has an identical title White Ops. I wonder what that was oh. about. That is a good question. I, I the the regional the regional things are always are always fun to deal with, right? <laughs> Uh, both regional and the fact that you really can't copyright a titles. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody's going to try doing another title called The Wizard of Oz, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that's got another book called Honor at Stake. You know, tr- you know type Hellspawn into Amazon search, and trust me, I am not going to be the first person that comes <laughs> up. Right. It's probably going to be Tom DeFalco doing his original Spawn run. Tom DeFalco? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the title, and, and that actually gets me into my next question here, because uh, has it always been called White Ops? Oh, no, no. Uh, first version of it was going to be called Tales of the Rangers until I realized that Rangers in sci-fi fantasy is possibly the most generic term you can come up with. <laughs> you know, <they laughs> right. say, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be we're going to be using right rangers. It's like rangers. Is that Texas Rangers? Is that Tolkien Rangers? Is that uh, you know Army Rangers? Is that the football team? <laughs> so yeah. it's like no, can't be Rangers. We're going to trade. You know, first then it was going to be Tales of White Ops, and then it simply became White Ops because um, the alien, the Space Templars, uh, the alien name for them are. You know, the Totentons or the Totentanzers, you know, those who dance with death or in context, sentinels against death. And, you know, an English word could be rank, could be rangers. But, uh, you know, I, I decided, no, can't use rangers in any context because, good God, it's so damn generic. <laughs> yeah. So you get to white ops. Um this day and age with things being what they are are you concerned at all that somebody is going to sit there and see this as some kind of white nationalist manifesto thing hidden inside a science fiction book because you know white ops it's gotta be about you know the thing right 
Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, right. Um, I mean, no, it, I, I asked that only, question in jest, but you know, there are some people out there. I mean, g- given the given the the history in in traditional publishing the last four or five years, you know, anything goes now. Do um, all right. That that had not occurred to me until later, till within the last month or two, when somebody asked, you know. So is somebody going to think this is white nationalism? And I said, you know, what possible idiot could possibly <laughs> away <laughs> like all the other idiots? Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, white ops is a take on black ops. Um, I, I originally go, went through a lot of color coordination uh, because I was going to be stealing, you know, gray company from uh, Lord of the Rings. I had to change that. Um, and you know, white ops, spec, you know, spec ops on the side of virtue, but we can't tell anybody just yet because if they do, the bad guys are going to find out we're onto them and kill us all before we're ready. Yeah. Uh, when somebody pointed out, oh yeah, sure, somebody's <laughs> going to say it's going to be. Uh, I didn't. I didn't wipe out an entire role playing game company. They did that on their own. I just. I just did an interview, Robert. I just asked a question. How they handled the bl- the blowout afterwards was completely on them. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, well, no. Oh, what happened? Later. Yeah, it's it was it's a it's a story. I broke Twitter one day with an interview, and you know, so, uh, whatever. So, um, but, but yeah, you're oh, you're talking later. about like black black hat hackers and white hat hackers, and you know, you go back to the westerns. The villains always wore the black hats, and the good guys have the exactly. white hat. So I, I look at this, I see white ops and say, oh, okay, I know what this, I know what this is. These are the good guys yeah. who are doing the secret under, under, uh, undercover shenanigans. Oh yeah. And I figure that, you know, I, I did not insist that names be changed for the simple reason that I figure anybody who did not, A, understand the reference in the first place, or B, at least read the book to figure out what was in it. Uh-huh. I figured these people were not going to probably want to buy the book in the first place. They're probably not my target audience. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Dave, got a question in the chat. Was there a particular gratifying moment in writing this book or in any, any of the writing of the books? Do you have those, those aha moments when you sit there and you go, that's it. I've got it. It's, it's, this is the thing. That's what's going to make this thing work. Almost all the time. It's it, every other scene. It feels like, what am I doing now? Um, <laughs> especially for this series, where I was, I kept trying to top everything. I kept trying to top the last chapter, and it's so. How do I innovate this? How do I innovate that? Uh, heck, I wound up at one point trying to figure out just how to do a simple exposition dump. You know, call it a data dump if you like. And how do I move the story forward, explaining this to the audience, explaining it to this character, while at the same time at least advancing something? And the solution was um, there's two things about Sean Ryan I have not mentioned. One, he's got an eidetic memory. And two, he is a telepath. So my simple solution was he took somebody into his brain and walked her through his memory palace. He was literally giving a tour of the memory palace, explaining um, what the Totentans were and yeah. where they had come from. 
interesting, interesting way to do it. Uh, and that that's that's always seems to me because I was I was talking. Oh, who was it that it was that was talking to about Weber stuff and how he does the little info dumps in the midst of a scene, and it's generally done as a character who's reflecting on an element that they're dealing with. And you get a little bit of a history lesson with, you know, the, the character's understanding of this is how we got to this point. And I think it's done really well, but yeah, that can be a challenge when you're, you're going along and, and you're at a particular pace with, with your story and whatever scenes happening. And then suddenly the exposition, I mean, that, that is probably the, the worst possible thing that could happen to a narrative if it's not done right, you know, because it just, it just stops everything. Oh yes. Um, actually now that you, now that you put that particular spin on David Weber, that was actually something I accidentally did. I did not think of David Weber when I was doing this, um, during a recruitment phase, uh, where white ops is a particularly select aspect of the Totentons. And for those people who are wondering, yes, I did steal a, I did steal some German. <laughs> um, he is recruit, you know, Sean is recruiting a medic who had been in the war and it's told from her point of view and she's going, wait, I know this human. Let me think. Oh yeah, he was the guy doing fire support covering the hospital, you know, basically the mass unit. Uh, on the other end of the hospital, I was trying to save this guy. So, so yeah, a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. And th those data dumps can be relatively easy if you're doing it as like a sentence or two or a recollection. Otherwise, if it's too, more complicated than that, then yeah, you're going to need to take lessons in David Weber. So what was the biggest challenge and updating white ops for for getting it ready to publish. I mean, that that one thing that just really just kind of loomed large in the process. One thing, maybe not one I thing. Had sure, <laughs> I, I had to make sure that it didn't look in any way, shape, or form like anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, I've got a, for example, I've got a space naval officer who plays well with nuclear weapons. Now, uh, if somebody goes, oh, look, that's Babylon 5 and John Sheridan, it's like, okay, game over. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it was just making sure that I didn't have any beta reader go, oh, this looks just like this series yeah. or that series or the other bloody series. Um, after a while, uh, I had to stop listening to that because it's like I've done everything I could to make sure this doesn't look like X, Y, or Z. Please stop now. Uh, well, that was and, and one of the more infuriating parts. You talk about Babylon Five and Deep Space Nine. I mean, that's a perfect example yeah. of two things that are similar enough that at the time there was discussion of, well, which one stole the idea from the other one when they were completely developed. At, at least my understanding, the way the stories went now is that they were completely developed independent of each other. 
and one didn't know about the other and the timing of it and all of these things worked against that narrative that somebody stole an idea. And I've, I've had a couple of things that I've wanted to do. You know, I'll start writing a story and then Peter David comes out with Imzadi that does the same thing that I did with Data and Tasha Yar. He did with Riker and Troy. I was like, well, there are no, there are no original ideas anymore. Some of these are natural, natural extensions of, you know, if, especially if you're dealing in a tie-in franchise, you know, yes. Star Trek does certain things. Well, that goes to this and it's easy. It's easy for multiple people to have the same idea. Oh, yes. Um, hell, just use just two words. Space Western. How many people say The Mandalorian? How many people say Serenity? Mm-hmm. How many people say Outland from the early 90s, which was also a Peter David project, um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, Peter David even joked that he had a show called Space Cases, where they were a bunch of kids running a starship, and the engineer was Jewel Strait. <laughs> so, you know, he, he had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. But it, it so... The joke is that, you know, there are only seven plots. Uh, I, I personally think that's BS after a while, but I understand the original theory behind it. And as Straczynski once said, uh, you give one idea to the same, to 10 different authors, you will end up with 10 wildly different products. Mm-hmm. And the narrative with B5 versus Deep Space Nine, um, Straczynski actually talked about that in his autobiography, where he, where it looks like maybe the higher ups at Paramount had played games, but the people in direct development of Deep Space Nine had no idea what was going on because the higher ups were playing games, but the actual people developing it did not know where the ideas had been originally coming from. Gotcha. But that's the current narrative as I know it. And but you listen to Deep Space Nine fans, you listen to Babylon Five fans, they still hate. You. <laughs> <laughs> so are there are there fans of another particular story that you think are gonna are gonna look at your your white op series and think that you lifted it from someplace else you're not worried about the angry mobs coming after you are you my tongue is planted firmly if, in cheek with that question if enough people have heard about me to form an angry mob i'll be pleasantly <laughs> surprised that my reach has gotten out that far right right uh, you know, some sometimes uh, we are best known by the enemies that we have, right? <laughs> Depends on the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, that's so. How has long story? How has how did twenty twenty one play out for you? Did it did it was it uh, a, a tough year or or did it kind of go a little okay? Oh, uh, twenty one was the answer is yes. Um, I did not get any writing done. I, but then again, I did get four books. No, I got six books written in 2020. Um, they've just taken a while to come out. Yeah. And most of 2021 was spent developing side projects um, since I wasn't writing. And I forget why uh, something put me off. <laughs> you know, like 21 was such a perfectly normal year. Right. Um, I wound up developing uh, Upstream Reviews, which is a review website uh, for what I just like to call simply good books. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I got tired of listening to people complain online about, oh, there, there are no X or Y creators. Um, usually the people making these complaints uh, immediately try to sell you their book on why there are no X or Y creators. So my response, my first response was to go, yes, there are. I'll be Holly will happily work for you as a reviewer of all these products you say do not exist. Um, after the first dozen different publications I tried that they were making too much money off of the problem rather than actually have a solution. Right. Because if you so, have, um, if you have a solution, then you don't have a problem anymore that you can use. Let's say. Exactly. Yeah. So my, my, my solution, uh, and I'm working with, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with, uh, sci-fi fantasy author, Robert Crusey. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, he was actually one of the very first people that we recorded uh, an interview with when we when we started doing multimedia. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I wound up working with him to find found the website. Um, I wound up pulling in a lot of reviewers I knew. He pulled in a lot of reviewers he knew, and it's like, and then it becomes a matter of oh, nuts. These people all reviewed stuff we've done. <laughs> oh, well, cool it with it. Uh, you know, and we try to go out of our way to make sure that we are not reviewing X or Y author any given month. Right. Because that just looks, that looks bad to me. I don't know about anybody else. And I'm the guy running the place. <laughs> or at least I'm one of the guys running the place. So, you know, I work with that. I, I've been working on a marketing circle with other authors. I've been keeping busy. And uh, about November, I said, the heck with it. I'm tired of not writing. So uh, I started Honeymoon from Hell and that process. So 21 has been a really weird year. How difficult is it to get motivated to write? I mean, you 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 decide to write. Do you have a process for getting back into the mindset? Of, okay, I've got five thousand words that I got to get done today. Today I only got uh, twenty five hundred. Or you know, what's what's the what's the, what are the steps that you have to take in order to get in that mode? Um, well, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, it's it's one of those moments of writing schizophrenia where it's like. The only way to get the voices to shut up, and in this case, they're not literal voices, they're metaphorical, it's more of a compulsion, um, that I just have to start again. Um, I actually wound up uh, writing this one because, again, the story would just not go away. Uh, I had finished writing the St. Tommy series, and after a year of, a year between sending it, finishing it, and having it not be published, I figured, okay, I'm going to go in, see if I can rewrite any of this, because my original uh, writing process was put something aside for six months, because I'm too close to it, and I know what the lines should say, mm. not necessarily what's written there. Right. So six months is usually enough distance for me to come back and go, uh, this is good, either A, this is good, B, this is bad, See, I don't know what I was trying to say here. <laughs> or four, 
What I had in my head is not what's on the page. Let me work on that. Yeah. Do you read things out loud when you're when you're going back through and, and doing any editing? I know for a lot of people with with voice work, uh, we're doing we're doing any kind of, of scripts for television or radio or anything like that. Reading it out loud generally has the uh, the added advantage of giving us what it sounds like, um, you know, newscasters will sometimes do that and say, well, that, that doesn't sound right. Well, let's rewrite it. Do you ever do any of any, uh, acting things out act? Do you act out your scenes when you're developing just to see if it holds together? No, I do have, I call it kind of a voice filter in my head where, um, I have an idea of how these people should sound. There are times I will pick, individual actors for I want my character to sound like this person over here mm. so I run us through the voice filter there and go okay this is how this person speaks and this is how they talk I wound up with an entire short story like that where it's like I don't know where I wound up with a uh, you know southern Christian girl but I'll I'll take it <laughs> um, that was one of those things uh, with with that short story and this and I do not read stuff out loud. Uh, I generally do not like the sound of my own voice. I'm surprised podcasters have me on sometimes. Um, so, you know, my, when I had my own podcast, I, I would joke that I had a face for radio and a voice for silent film. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I will never, ever record audio books or take audio notes because listening to the sound of my own voice I'd rather take a drill bit to my knees. <laughs> now, now that you've gotten past, you know, 25, 26 books now, uh, does imposter syndrome still present a problem? Does that, is that ever rear its ugly head for you? I mean, you talk about not liking, not liking the sound of your voice for recording stuff, but when you're reading any of your, your own material, does that ever does that ever crop up? Because I know a number of authors that are out there that are, that that constantly talk about this being a thing, despite the fact that they've written however many books and won however many awards, and and it's still it's still a problem for some people. Um, how do I put this? Once upon a time, uh, when I was growing up, I was told that I should never reflect on how many people are smarter than I am because there will always be people smarter than I am. Uh, I should at least, at the very least, acknowledge that there are some people who are not as smart as I am on certain things. In the case of writing, even if I am not as good as I want to be, and who is, I know for a fact there are people out there who are New York Times bestsellers and they write worse than I do. <laughs> Isn't that always the case, though? We can we can always console ourselves by by reflecting that there are some that don't do it as well as we do, and there are some that do it better. So I, it, it gives you goals, right? Oh yes. Hey, there there are some times where uh, I have read a best selling author, and my first response is, you know what? I know exactly what he's doing because I did this in one of my first drafts and I hated it when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, okay, so we've got the three books, uh, the three White Ops books. You're also working on the new, the new uh, Honeymoon from Hell. You've got upstream reviews. Any other irons in the fire right now, or is that is that pretty much uh, the full load for you? Hold on. Tommy's coming out. White Ops is coming out. Upstream reviews is ongoing. Honeymoon from Hell is going on. Uh, I think that's enough for right yeah. now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let us uh, let us run through here. Upstreamreviews.com is uh, is the site where you can find reviews of various different books and and articles. Declan also has a newsletter over on Substack and uh, a Patreon that you can see. And he's on uh, Twitter under Declan Finn Books. And uh, as as we talked about before white ops now available uh on amazon and i guess other other places where you can get books uh you download or or buy the hard copy so uh so yeah that's uh that's a new thing so so we look forward to the the second book coming out the third book coming out and maybe the 13th book coming out at some point right all right declan Fenn, thank you very much for being here sir we do appreciate the time and we will do this again very soon. And I also want to thank all of you for being here and uh, participating in the chat. Good to have all of you. And if you're here on replay, uh, you can leave a comment. If you've got a topic you'd like to suggest or a guest that we need to invite, send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Let us know uh, what we can do next because we will always do something next tomorrow coming up on the program. Uh, assuming that all of the pieces and parts uh, work in place, James will be here. We will talk about the second episode of the second season of Lois and uh, not Lois and Clark, Superman and Lois, over on the CW. And then next Monday we'll be talking about the act, the Activision uh, latest developments. And uh, of course, we've got a brand new H two O podcast that just dropped on Monday night. So go check that out. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe, have your notifications turned on, and check out all of the rest of the videos. Feel free to share. And uh, we are on a number of social media platforms. We've got video platforms. If you've got something you want to send us for a review, there's our mailing address. We even have a tip jar over on PayPal for those of you who want to support us that way. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 